Welcome to Miked Up Fools, a podcast about teen artists run by a teen artist. My name is Eleni, and I can't wait for you, the listener, to explore the growing population of self-producing artists with me today. I have Emil here with me, who is from California, from the Bay Area, where I used to live. And we're basically going to get into his diverse, very, very diverse background of music, talk a little bit about his current stuff, um, his background, how he's been doing with quarantine, but let's just get started. Um, So first thing I'll ask you is... Can I ask you about persistence of memory? You recently sent that over to me. It's absolutely wonderful. Can you get into a little bit about that? Like, inspiration, just talk about it. Any direction that you want. Yes, all right. Hitting me right out the gate with the uh, most recent thing that I've done. Um, So, uh, persistence of memory is a track that is going to be released with a, um, a new project I'm not supposed to say too much, but I will say it is related to the 2002 uh, video game, Marble Blast. You will see. It, it's going to be um, featured on the soundtrack. You know, I, my experience creating electronic soundtracks, you know, has not been as much as I'd like. Recently, you know, high school was getting in the way, but now there's quarantine. I can do whatever I want. I can learn how to use EQ sliders properly. Um, I can learn how to... Uh, you know, actually not spend a bunch of unnecessary time with, you know, buses and quantizing and all that super duper technical stuff. And most importantly, it's a matter of translating what is going on in my head onto the, uh, you know, yeah. Um, so this persistence of memory, but also like your bossa nova, more, you know, classical related, um, your background is really diverse. You're talking about, like, even, like, film scoring and video game scoring, I guess you could call it. Can you tell me a little bit about your background in music? How did you start? Um, you know, how did you branch out to all these different, different, uh, genres of music? Ah, yes, of course. All right, we're gonna, we're gonna go through my origin story here. Uh, if uh, anybody here wants to write my Wikipedia page, then uh, please take notes. Started out on cello when I was six or seven. I originally wanted to play the violin, but my parents, who actually, um, you know, teach at a music school, they would listen to screechy beginner violinists, you know, all day long, and they were like, we are not going to come home to that. You can take this lower frequency instrument and, uh, it took me a while. I was a very clumsy kid. I, I, hand-eye coordination absolutely sucked, but um, I got into it and, you know, then took up the piano and more, much more recently the bass and that is tied to my, uh, you know, my interest in jazz. First and foremost, I, I come from a musical family. As much as I'm ashamed to admit it, I, there are times when I wish That is I nothing would... to be ashamed of. <laughs> there, you have this I perfect mean, foundation to go off absolutely. of. Absolutely. And I, and I love my parents very much for, <laughs> and, and, you know, their influences, but there are times when I wish I was kind of like, you know, the, the, the special one. Now I'm just, you know, I'm just kind of like... Oh, he's he's another one of those those damn surpers with, with all their you know musical another brains. Another prodigal music kid. Oh, who wouldn't want to be yeah. that? I don't know. I mean, uh, I I I throw around the term prodigal with with great caution, but um, yeah, I you know immediately 
you know, the first thing that really caught my attention music-wise, because I actually was more of a math and science kid in my early, 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 super-duper early childhood, um, was composition. And, you know, it, it makes sense. My dad uh, was... Or my, my dad is a composer. He's not dead. Um, and that has... Uh, carried me through for many many years and hopefully onward into my life yeah so you were classically trained um chose your first instrument um why did you decide to branch out to jazz into different genres because i know for me personally it was simply because i got a new guitar teacher who was obsessed with folk music so that's why i got into different genres what was the turning point for you Ah, yes. Um, I mean, turning points, I don't know if I would use that term specifically because I'm still very much rooted in the tradition of, you know, reading music, of, uh, you know, grinding out uh, Shostakovich concertos and, you know, woodshedding on cello late at night. But my interest in jazz really came from a few sources, specifically. Uh, one is a close friend of mine who's actually who lives in Canada, is one of the, um, you know, best pianists and composers I've met, like, in a long time. Uh, Owen Mateson, you should go check him out on Twitch and, and uh, SoundCloud. And, I don't know, I it caught my eye the way that he prioritized catchiness, uh, used some spicy Rebellion, Debussy. I, would, I was always enamored with uh, Rebel, Debussy, and just, just, you know, thick chords brought me... I, I, I had been kind of going towards a creative block where I was like, you know, how am I... It, there's so many people who have explored 20th century technique and gotten absolutely to the bottom of it. Like, how am I going to make myself stand out, have an indi individualistic voice uh, in the world of composition? That's what, it, you know, even I could probably make a lot of money composing, but I... You know, I what's most important is that is it's um it has integrity in my own eyes, and I found that fulfillment by uh, you know bringing like you know bringing melody back into the forefront of uh, my compositions, which has kind of been absent in a lot of contemporary music, and doing that by heavy use of jazz harmony. Um, yeah, I mean, what can I say? I'm a sucker for spicy chords, right? Uh, I mean, you, there, you just can't go wrong. It's, you know, it's satisfying to me. It's, uh, you know, wh while remaining deeply rooted in my, uh, you know, classical training and all that, I, um, I also find it important to know how to improvise. I mean, God, I was at a summer camp where we were all asked to improvise, and uh, there were some, you know, staunchly classical musicians who were so afraid to improvise. I mean, a lot of people talk about how, uh, oh, no, oh, well, jazz musicians, they don't know how to read music properly. Yeah. Well, it's like, well, classical you, musicians can, like, do anything with creativity. Seen, have you ever seen a classical uh, <laughs> instrumentalist try to improvise? Yeah, yeah they were, these impossible. kids, they were, they were going and hiding under the piano. Like, I take a lot of pride in that skill. Like, I can just whip out a, uh, um, a sick solo, and a lot of my, uh, my classical peers don't know how to do that. And it's, you know, it, it's given a lot of insight to my compositions. Like, you know, in Bossa Nova, for example, I think I have 
you know, maybe that's a different piece, but I have a section that has a lot of sort of descant-like melisma, whatever, melismatic playing on the cello that is reminiscent of gospel singing. Also, you know, being from Oakland, uh, gospel is, is, is just so important to me. And it is completely underutilized in the world of music today. So it really sounds like you're attempting to, I wouldn't say, I don't know, modernize classical music. So like you're just basically taking a mixture of classical and then jazz and then just trying to find your unique voice or identity as what you were yeah. referring to earlier. You know, you could always, I mean, you can always write and compose and then make a, a, like a lot of money. But I think what's more important is finding your musical identity, which I think a lot of younger people struggle to do. And even if someone asked me today, like, oh, what kind of music do you write or do you even listen to I feel like I would still struggle with that question but it sounds like you're pretty grounded in the sense of like what you want and you know who you are as a as an artist as a producer musician whatever um, and then also you're talking about film scoring is that something that you like genuinely want to pursue as a career or is it something that's like oh it's a possibility, but it's not super realistic. Well, well, back to your earlier points about, um, you know, sort of combining classical and jazz, modernizing. I just don't, you know, I don't like to put myself in boxes. I don't really like to, um, and I'm sure you feel the same, you know, about labels. If you want to really get an idea of, of my specific stylistic voice, I mean, yeah, it comes from a few very, very specific sources, but you would probably understand more from listening to, uh, you know, specific licks that I use. I tend to use very, very uh, similar licks, similar chord progressions, not necessarily similar instrumentation choices, that I'm still trying to figure out. And they come from all the uh, all, all of my upbringing. Yeah, definitely. I mean, upbringing and combination of the, the um, genres definitely can create your own voice. Um, but yeah, so film scoring. Can you talk a little a little bit about that? Do you see like a realistic goal that you can reach um, right now? Well, yeah. I mean, you know, it's obviously good to be realistic, but I am, you know, I'm an optimist. I'm ready to, uh, you know, drive down to L.A. and, uh, you know, live in a tiny apartment where I have to, <laughs> you know, pay like just an arm and a leg to live there. And, um you know, be one of those millions of artists. Um, I know that that's the, uh, that's the life I'm, I'm seeking. And whether it's LA, New York, um, the film industry has so many opportunities that are, uh, that are wildly contrasting in terms of musical stylism. And I'm sure there's some that I could fit into, but there are also, um, some jobs that I think could totally fulfill me in New York or, uh, even, I don't know, the Bay Area, Seattle, um, I, I'm gonna go, you know, I, I will, I will, I'll go where the music leads me, you know, that's the, the most cliche thing you'll probably ever hear me say, but there are just so many things I could see myself doing in so little, uh, life, um, life is short. So would you say, um, music or being a musician is how you define yourself? Like when you're introducing yourself to someone, you're like, oh yeah, I'm a musician. Or are there other parts of you that you still want to grow and in, like basically 
promote throughout the rest of your life or is music something that you really really want to focus on and solely that well yeah uh that thing you mentioned about how i introduced myself uh as a musician um it almost it almost gets a little tiring at times because you know that's just sort of it's your it's your friendly neighborhood music nerd and that is really uh just what I'm good at, but there are also several other passions. Like I mentioned, the whole math thing. I've always been a. Uh, I've always been obsessed with numbers. Uh, I've started finding ways to incorporate certain uh, mathematical sequences into my compositions in a way that is still emotionally evocative and artistically sound. Basically, putting emotion into math, which is <laughs> something that I could never fathom before. Yeah. Uh, you discussed that. But, I could totally see myself working in, uh, you know, getting some sort of job in statistics or something, you know, something related to pure mathematics while, first and foremost, I want to have as much time as I can to compose, to, you know, get all these voice memos lying around on my phone turned into actual pieces. My composer homies, you know what I'm talking about. You know what it's like. So, quickly, um, jumping away from inspirations and future goals what's your general creative process not just in writing but also in producing as well how do you usually go about things mm. 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 no worries take your time and it's it's a lofty question i can break it down if you want um yeah so the general rule of thumb with my work is you know it's a cool thing that just happened to pop into my head and I decided to write it down. Uh, you know, I'm a sucker for spicy chords. Um, you know, any sort of, you know, deeper meaning, deeper message that might come from my stuff is up to you, the listener, to interpret. And this is because I really see music as an interactive thing to be shared, not to be stored away in some, you know, elitist inner circle. And I mean, look at Bach and Mozart. They they left all their freaking dynamics and articulations up to the player's interpretation. And, and I mean, I wouldn't go that far. But um, in regards to deeper meaning, uh, I've always you know sort of found it important to not let my ego get the best of me. In very rare cases, I have specific experiences in mind that inspire a certain piece, and I'm always eager to share them. But I'm not gonna shove it down people's throats. Um, because I recognize that it's not all about me, it's about the people who are playing my stuff, the people who are listening to my stuff, and, you know, people who are, like, who believe that music is set in stone to a specific time period, it's like, what are you smoking, dude? Like, It's it's why? not even, like, specific yeah. time period, but it's also, like, specific emotion, because, I mean, at least with songs that um, have lyrics in them, the artist is attempting to evoke a specific emotion, but it sounds you kind of want the opposite of that, where it's a little bit more general. Like an abstract piece of art, essentially. Well, not necessarily. I mean, there are definitely, um, you know, basic, like, there there are parts of my stuff that seem happy, and there are parts of my stuff that seem sad. Right, but of course. Major, the, so, my, yeah. Minor, major, all that <laughs> shenanigans. But, like, yeah. you know. Um, and you were saying specifically before how a lot of these things just don't pop into your head, just pop into your head. They're not based off of specific experiences. And I know that some people feel as if, like, they have to write something about person about something personal, but it sounds like mm-hmm. for you, it can solely be based off of just musical inspiration rather than a personal inspiration. Yeah, that, that is often why I have so much trouble writing choral 
music and art songs, and that is something I've struggled with my whole life because the whole process is you have to get emotionally attached to a poem or some sort of scripture or, you know, even just whatever you want, and then you have to evoke the emotions. And it's it's very unnatural for me. Um, I, you know, I'm just, I'm just a humble tunester who hears cool stuff around in, in the noggin, and then... Um, it, I, I like to feel like I'm part of something bigger and I let, I, I just get it all out there and let anybody else, like you pointed out so neatly in the persistence of memory that it sounded like my cello was crying. I actually never even thought about that remotely. I just thought, eh, you know, this sounds, this sounds kind of cool. <laughs> the cello definitely stole my heart throughout the entire song. <laughs> Um, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. But also, like, for producing, when did you first start getting into pro- producing music and why, I guess? For the, uh, for the last two years, I've been taking a, uh, um, a film scoring class once a week at the uh, San Francisco Conservatory of Music's pre-college program. They have a really solid... Um, but basically, it's, uh, you know, it helps musicians who are more classically trained get used to working with a DAW. And I had a little bit of a head start because my older brother is a um, terrific sound engineer. Uh, he composes heavy metal. Um, and he knows... I, I bug him so much with questions about logic, about even video editing, since he's very good at that. And he did that for logic a while ago, and I started figuring out how to use it. And I actually wrote a, uh, you know, Snarky Puppy-esque jazz soundtrack that I have not finished to this day, and I did not know how to quantize. And I already told you this story. I had to go to every single note and align it with the beat, and those were so many hours of my life that I will never get back. (laughs) And, oh, oh man, just, just the pain. Um... But I started getting way, way, way more into it during quarantine. Mm, yeah, I could definitely agree with you on that. I I don't know if it's just, like, I feel like it was, like, as if I was learning a language at, like, five years old. Like, you, you pick it up really, really fast when you're younger. And over quarantine, I started, I knew of logic. I mean, I had <coughs> um, my guitar teacher, right. he did logic. He showed me the ropes before pre-COVID. Um, or BC before COVID, and um, <laughs> nice. um, but once once quarantine hit, it seemed as if I was kind of on my own. Um, so I had to learn the ropes myself. Uh, what about you? Quarantine? How was that like? Um, not just in terms of COVID, but in general, how did it affect your music? Um, how did it affect you as a person, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, I mean, it it was the worst. Um, I'm, you know, I'm a huge extrovert. It's my, uh, it must be in my, my, uh, my Greek nature, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah, it, it, I, I definitely was not my best self as a person. Mm. I would, I don't think I got anything positive out of it, and mm. that is a pretty bold take, but that's just a testament to, um, you know, sort of the negative effects of my personal development and just, you know, some of the incredible musical musical opportunities that I actually missed out on as a result of all the shutdown shenanigans. Yeah, I mean, 
I would say arguably like they it's it's had like both positive and negative effects for everyone whether you're a musician or not but in terms of music I know that it's stunted some growth but it's also helped people force to reflect um on who they are as musicians um so do you think that your sound would have been the same or like um any of your projects would have ever even been created or even thought of if you were not in quarantine well oh yeah i mean my sound i'm i have no doubt that my sound would have been the same like i said i um am not as uh, you know there are some composers in the past who have had who their you know personal experiences personal lives have had a clear effect on their, uh, you know, on their music. I already mentioned Shostakovich. You got Bach writing the D minor cello suite when his wife died, and you can hear all the sadness. I'm not one of those people. I can write a, uh, you know, like, I wrote the bossa nova, or I, I didn't write the bossa nova, I recorded the bossa nova when I was completely dead inside. Right. I have a question for you. So, what would you say to any artist, um, young or old, who has a lot of stuff in their little storage, whatever, whether they have it in some sort of file on their computer, um, and they have everything mastered, everything mixed, um, but they just don't want to, like, send it out, whether that's publicly or to any friend? Like, what would you say to that person? Damn, you got a lot of stuff lying around. Why don't you want to send it out? <laughs> that's probably what I would say. Um, were you, but were you ever in that kind of position though, where you're like, I know I have a lot of good things, but there is something that's holding me back from showing someone, whether that's an insecurity or whether it's just taking the next step as a musician, because that's kind of a big step because you're establishing yourself as an artist, as your own um, person who's not just doing covers, but it's also doing your own stuff as well. Certainly. Um, and more so in the past, uh, there are things, and there are things that I'm more self-conscious about than others, um, but I've, just in the last year alone, I've kind of developed a, a practice of get it over with, it's not going to do you any good, just lying around in your own little circle, get it out there, uh, you know, rip off the band-aid, and I've, after doing that several times, it becomes easier and easier. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely does. And that also goes back to what you were talking about, about listening to yourself. I remember every time my parents, like, showed a video of me at some, like, terrible concert when I was, like, ah. in, like, when I was, like, 10, yep. it was the worst feeling ever. Mm. I would run to my other room, and, like, they would play on this, Baby like, stories, TV, yeah. and it was terrible. <laughs> it was the worst feeling I had ever felt, and the only time that I ever truly got over it was when I actually had control, aka when I was recording my own stuff instead of in some random music hall. Um, yeah. But I think once you... Um, start listening to yourself over and over again because you kind of have to listen to yourself over and over again when you're producing. Um, I mean, who knows how many times I've gone over the same song. But once you do that, I think you kind of get comfortable with yourself and comfortable with hearing mistakes. And there's a sense of like a personal connection that you make with yourself when kind of producing because you have to hear yourself so many times. Is that the same thing for you? where you kind of get the sense of comfortableness around your own music or around your own sound. Sure, and, uh, you know, we, 
anybody who says that they don't have those artistic skeletons in, in their closet, so to speak, the, uh, the things that, that make you cower and grimace when you hear them, relics of your past, uh, anybody who, doesn't ha- who says they doesn't have them, you are a freaking liar. All right. Okay. Just, just they're, shut up. they're in that much yeah. denial. They don't even want to accept it or tell yeah, anyone just, else. Just, they can't just, even say just, it out loud. Just, just, just put it out there. Come on, man. It, you, you, all, you have that. I have that. Uh, yeah. Um, and that you know, I can talk about a specific piece that made me uh, super embarrassed when mm-hmm. I was ten. I wrote a piece for Cairo's Youth Choir. Ah, uh, yes, Ave Maria. Ave Maria, and uh, it actually managed to get published. And if it were up to me, I would have never gotten it published, never had it performed. Um, and there, you know, there's still times when I regret all that happening. Like, you know, when I listen to it, there is that primal, like, oh, why did this even, why did I write this? But, because, and... And part of it, it, part of the reason is it's not reminiscent of my current voice. It's ten year old me. It's a lot more, uh, um, I don't know, schmaltzy, mm. uh, cheesy, maybe yeah. even a little bit. But um, in the end, I know it's for the better that it managed to be performed by Kairos in twenty fourteen, uh, published in twenty fifteen. All that, uh, you know, taken to a recording studio, um, heard my mom and my brother and myself, uh, you know, mixing it over and over and over and over again, showing it to my relatives over and over and over and over and over again. Uh, like, it's torture. But, you know, just... Um, in the end, you know, you've created something for others that others appreciate, and if that's not the mission of art, then what is? Yeah, it's kind of a necessary step. It's a necessary evil. <laughs> um... But, so, now that, you know, we've talked about your past, um, we've talked about quarantine, fairly recent, um, even basically now, um, what are you looking forward to in the future? I'm looking forward to going to college and being able to actually study music, so I, uh, have infinite time to turn all these unfinished voice memos into realities, um... The things I look forward to are usually super specific, like, I'm going to live in New York in an apartment with my two best friends, and I'm going to be a conductor of a famous orchestra, <laughs> uh, like the New York Philharmonic, I'm going to be Leonard Bernstein 2.0, or I'm going to be in L.A. Uh, working for Hans Zimmer. These are, I like to envision really, really, really oddly specific scenarios, and I have outlined the very surface of, of those, I mean, I could get way weirder just you know that that is that is what keeps me going and i don't know why it just does and i would highly recommend that you try it if there's anything else you want to say to the listener before we conclude um but i think we're gonna end it here it was a great conversation again a meal sir for everyone um but yes thank you for listening yeah